This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from The Mortal Instruments, Tower of Dawn, The Folk of the Air series, and Jane the Virgin, with mentions of Twilight, Bridgerton, and Moulin Rouge. There are also discussions around substance abuse, self-harm, and suicide. And welcome to A Court of Phantoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and phantoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing Clockwork Prince, uh, book two of The Infernal Devices by Cassie Clare. And we are both a gross crying mess. (laughs) We're totally masochists because (laughs) we were, I, true fashion, finished this right before, like maybe about 30 minutes before we started recording. And it took me so long this week to go through it because I kept having to put the book down. I was just overwhelmed throughout the week, not because of life, but because of this book. So then Laura the best friend that she is she's like let's listen to the sad parts again before no not the sad parts you know what and that's you know that you're right it's they're not sad they're (laughs) emotional oh my god so in case okay if you're listening to this episode obviously you must be familiar with it so jess (laughs) and i just listened to will's speech to tessa in the drawing room at the very like end of the book oh my god um so jess (laughs) who are you in love with you know the whole book every time something happened i was like woo, team gem i you y'all can keep will i want gem and then will does something and i'm like team will and then gem does something it was like team gem and then at one point i think i sent you a reaction video where i just said you know team polly i just want all three of them in a relationship with like just they just love each other so much that I just feel that the love is there like they you know you have Jem and Will and their parabatai and like Tessa loves both of them like no wonder no wonder reverse harems are so popular because like you get you get the best of both worlds and then like the the other person they're just like happy to be in your life as well and it's just it works and that's all i was just like no wonder these i'm very overwhelmed i thought i had i thought i was going to be a a team i thought i was going to have i was gonna come out of this (laughs) you know how everybody in twilight was like team jacob to you know edward like everybody had their own teams there isn't like just nobody that's you know what and that's how this ends nobody's won nobody's won and it's it's oh my god okay um so before we go further i just want to i'd like 
As we're recording this episode, the first episode hasn't even aired yet. So I'm defending myself before it's even aired. But I just want to say that I stand by my decision to tell Jess who Jem is. Because I, I feel like you needed a connection from there to here to bridge it and to help you get into the mindset of things clicking together and like working and and this emotional connection has i feel uh based on what i've seen <laughs> only helped you uh, connect i will be honest i because again it was the first read through i don't i didn't even remember church cat name was church from the mortal instruments so when you had shared that with me from clockwork angel and then made the connection for me i i honestly wouldn't have put it together just because i didn't remember so the fact that you're like put this stuff together it's it changed my whole perception reading this book because i didn't remember it where I just kept thinking, you know, I'll always refer to the mortal instrument at the mortal instruments as like the future. It's because it's the future for the infernal devices, but it's technically the present now. Also, it's very weird. Um, but I, I just I wouldn't I probably would have just kept reading and just gone back and forth and not look at that bigger picture that we always talk about because I forgot about like I, I really just didn't remember. A little, like, silly detail. I would not have remembered that. But, like, now that you know it, it's just, like, I feel like that's part of maybe your, like, overwhelmedness. It's just, like, realizing that not only is this such a enormous, like, universe and, like, fandom, but that, like, little things like that can end up having this huge payoff. Well, even, like, all of... Because I think I... I, I did some I did very simu- similarly what I did with my Throne of Glass reactions this week with this book where I sent you reaction videos and audio and notes and a lot of the audio and video that I was sending you that you say that is because of being overwhelmed it wasn't just like the smallest things I mean I did squeal about like a couple little things but it was being overwhelmed making the connections of that that arc that char- the character arc the story arc everything being intertwined it and that was what and i had said i go i don't know why i keep putting the book down and then i answered my own question i go because it's just it's all a lot you know when you think of all the little crazy you know detective boards with red lines. and i have one of those for you and when ah, we yeah. and when we get to that uh you know like later on when we're talking about this story when we get to it i will send it to you and then you can you know tell everybody about it like live on air i guess technically <laughs> and uh, uh i you can see if you make that connection because it's just a, a fun little thing that i found um so jess you are in love with both. How do we feel about Tessa? I feel like now is a good time to bring up the criticism that people don't really like Tessa. People, um, there are some people that feel like she's kind of a wet blanket. She's kind of like, um, you know, uh, my problems, you know, my problems. But um, honestly, her problems are very difficult. Like, they're very relatable problems, I feel like. Having these two, like, gorgeous boys, like, being in love with you. But also, like... Oh, I don't know that problem. <laughs> but but I, fe- I feel like 
there, there's this like guilt, like gem. Oh, gem. I and I don't know if this is where it's going, but there's a part that we had listened to right before where she's talking about like these two boys are they're these are the two boys that she loves that she's in love with very different and very similar very much like brothers very much consider each other brothers she didn't want to be in between the two i don't i'm not gonna look at you um i almost wondered at that point and maybe for clockwork princess if she's going to i know she's like i don't want to break gem's heart but we also know because the mortal instruments that they currently weren't together or something that she removes herself from both of their lives because she doesn't want to come between both of them that there was something that was said in this book during that thing that we were listening to that made me think if that's the direction it might go in where she's like you know what i can't do this this is a lot for me i rather you both should come before me because she doesn't also she doesn't think much of herself either she's just like i don't know what i am she's still discovering herself um and i i i don't want to say i think she's a wet blanket i feel like we already know that she there's stuff that's happening that there's a reason she's still around in the mortal instruments a hundred over a hundred years later so yeah, well, people say, like, oh, you know, all she does is, like, worry over these boys. But, like, I feel like she or, or and like, sometimes she says, like, witty things. And people are like, oh, she's witty. But, uh, you know, I feel like for the times, like, she's a she's a woman of the times. Very much so. And I some of the highlights that I made in, in the book where it just gave me it was very and maybe it's just because like Bridgerton came out this year and it's been such a long time since I've read historical romance and historical fiction because like huge Philippa Gregory fan. Um, it was, you know, like, oh, they they asked for a promenade and they were pressing hands and they asked for a stroll or, oh, he saw my shoulder. And it was just again, I had to remember that this is 1800s. This is like 1876 or whatever. And um, it was just very, you know, when it helped bring it back into perspective um, to know where we were and these these, you know, or what was it? They had the masquerade and they go, oh, you have a dance card. And I knew about the dance card because of Daphne. Or when she finds out about her brother's biological mother and she's like, whatever one does with their fiance to procure a child. (laughs) I'm like, oh, oh, sweet baby girl, because you weren't not only were you not expected to know, you really weren't allowed to have any knowledge as a as a woman of the times. Yeah. And I feel like Tessa does do stuff like she's being trained and she's like working at it. She doesn't suck at it. She, you know, does things. She goes to, you know, York to the Starkweather Institute. She goes to the, the tea factory. Like she's active. She's involved. Uh, I, I feel like people just kind of compare her to like contemporary. I'm putting that in like quotes, kind of like heroines, and they're just like meh, 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 meh. But you, you know, but she is contemporary for her times. Like you said, mm-hmm. she's doing the fighting, she's doing the training, and she's thinking about like she is doing bigger picture because they were to an extent from what I see. Because there were times where it's like, did she want to do things? No, but she knew that it was like there was a bigger thing at place. It had to deal with the Institute. She made, you know, Charlotte and Henry a promise. 
when she's fighting her brother, what is her brother's weakness himself? Because he's a sociopath. So what does she do? She turns in, like, I thought that was very smart. And I mean, you saw that the direction that that was going to go in pretty quickly. Um, But she is one of her kind. She is given this, you know, her, her decisions are difficult, you know, and if we want to just like take all the magic away from it, my God, what a problem to have because I don't know who I would choose between between Will and Jem because I kept going back and forth. And then Will, just that, that speech, you're just, you, you're feeling it. And she never didn't say she didn't. And you know when he's saying, she's like, oh, you, look at this, like this whole speech you're giving, you'll find somebody. And he's like, it's not about finding somebody. It's just, it, and to know his history, it just, it breaks, it breaks everybody's heart. So Jess, tell, tell us, tell us what happens in this book. Like, <sighs> like, like what, what goes on? So like a lot, a lot goes on. A lot happens. Um, but also like surprisingly, it's a lot of like, just kind of wandering the Institute and like talking and like, um, and like training room stuff, but also like stuff happens. I feel like the stuff that actually happens, it's a lot of emotion. It's a lot of plot building. I feel like the first book was laying the foundation of, yes, we know the shadow hunters from the mortal instruments, but this is like almost like an origin story. I don't, and I say that loosely because I'm sure, you know, shadow hunters have been around. Like, there's Nephilim, there's angels, there's this, there's that, there's demons. So, like, obviously that didn't start in the 1800s. Um, so we're, like, in, like, this quote-unquote origin story, story right now. And now it's more about, like, learning about the characters, growing with the characters, um, figuring out kind of the ins and outs, and really just, I mean, you, you the... Uh, automatons i had to say that word the automatons are back um which i knew they never went away and that's something that i think i'm still like picking up in fantasy just like in comic books unless they're you know unalived without their head they're still coming back and with automatons being like very steampunkish even though it's the 1800s like these are like mechanical devices and robots and stuff there's the 20 foot one that basically like crushed everybody and sent everybody to the infirmary and there hasn't really and then there was the ones that they were chasing in the forest or whatever for more i always want to say morgan stern and then mortimer morgan no mortmain mortmain (laughs) um the warning robots and the you know and they have so many different names the clockwork robots the clockwork monsters whatever um so we ha- we still th- we still haven't seen them except for those couple scenes. So you know they're going to play a bigger now we we have a third book in this trilogy so you know they're going to be they have to be pivotal is what I'm thinking. Um and then there's masquerades. Mortmain is still like nobody knows what his big plans are but they kind of do. They're trying to it's the politics of how to infiltrate the you know idris and the shadow hunters institutes because the london one is like the most powerful one in the world right now and or that was kind of my takeaway and if you could infiltrate the most powerful one everything else kind of spreads out so it's about tracking that down and finding what the bigger picture is um and it was interesting that even though 
they got to Nate, they got to Jessamine, they got to different players, I guess pawns in this whole scheme. I feel like we still don't know because everything they keep sharing, it's, yes, that's what we know, but that's what he wants us to know. So I still don't, aside from like that bigger picture thing, I don't know what like, there's still more. There's still Mm -hmm. more that we don't know yet. Oh, yeah. No, there's a, there's a lot more that we don't know yet. And it's all very exciting. But what we do know is we know lots of things. And we have met an ancestor of somebody that we have met in the future. 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 Okay. Um, and I call your attention to Mr. Wolsey Scott. Yes. Yes. Uh, Wolsey Scott. Does that name ring any sort of about Wolsey Scott a werewolf was oh oh what's his name what the 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 werewolf that Simon was roommates with what organization was he a part of the lycanthrope one the Praetor Lupus yes (laughs) founded by Mr. Wolsey Scott Oh, that's so cool. Isn't that cool? So yeah. we have met and witnessed the murder of his Which ancestor. Which is so sad. Which and, is so sad. And the fall of his uh, project. It's very sad. The, the, in, like, the, infernal de- the, the Infernal Device Project, right? Where they were like on all that. The, I don't know what it's called. The, 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 the Yen, the Yen Fit. Well, no, I'm just saying that, like, Wolsey Scott built the Praetor Lupus, right? Right. But the Praetor Lupus, like, falls in the mortal instruments. They blow it up, you know, they blow it up, and it's, like, this whole thing. We witnessed his ancestor die. Um, But, yes, you're right. The Yin Fen, the Yin Fen plays a huge part. So that is the drug that Jem was tortured with as a child that he's addicted to that is killing him, that the werewolves are buying up and using um, because they are building... Well, under false pretenses, yeah. too. So yeah. they're basically, um, Mortmain basically gets them addicted to this drug and tells them, look, I can get you more if you built these, these automatons for us. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, the wolf, you know, the, the werewolves are building, building, building fast, fast, fast. The faster they build, the faster they, they'll get their drug again. They'll get their fix. And then it starts all over again. But what they don't realize, and which obviously the one is, you know, dying and they share with them, they're like, that's not how this works. And they were like, well, you have it. You have the same silvery hair, silvery eyes, all this like descriptions. You know, And they said it, you know, it affects Nephilim much differently than werewolves. But his is also administered and dosed and it's still killing them, but killing them slowly. Whereas the the intake at which you're like taking in the substance is rapidly killing you the quicker you take it the faster you go the faster you go into the spiral and they didn't obviously they were they were like so obviously mortman didn't tell you that he doesn't care about your lives he's just focusing on the output at which he can receive and because he's buying everything up so quickly it's making it harder for the shadow hunters to get their amount for gem for gem and uh, the yin fen and one of my favorite i say favorite one of the most heartbreaking scenes 
for me is when Jem and Tessa pull Will out of the Ifrit drug den. And Jem is so angry and we don't ever see Jem angry like this. Uh, we, we only see him like calm and collected, but he's so angry. He's so upset. Like everything is wrong. And, um, Will is just like out of, out of his mind, right? On, on like what? Like fairy drugs, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so heartbreaking. And he's so out of it that he doesn't even realize that Jen like punches him in the face. Right. And he's so pissed off. And then Tessa has to tell Will, like, you need to think about what other, this is, this is like, oh my God. Oh my God. I might start. Um, so Tessa says to Will, like, you need to think about what other people, what your actions like do to other people. And, um, Will's like, that's all I think about. That's all I think about every single second of every single day, how other people perceive me and think about me and how I feel about them. It's like, it's exhausting. He just wanted to like, it was, it was such a sad scene because like, I guess you can say like a content warning or trigger warning to know that there are people like that, that happens so much when it comes to substance abuse and any type of addiction where it is a means to escape if only for a moment. And that's really what Will was looking for in that moment. And you like, and then when you find more of the backstory, know in the depth of like what he's going through. And again, this is like, everybody handles their traumas differently too. He's just like, I need to shut it off. And that they're just that right there. It's so easy to spiral into those substance abuse situations because if he feels fine in that moment, why wouldn't you get addicted to feeling happy for a moment and escape? Because he even said, he goes, I just wanted to escape. I just wanted to rest. I just wanted to sleep because, and at that point, we don't know the depth and what everything that he's carrying and you know i mean i think it's like just true testament to be like you don't know what anybody is going through and maybe we should all just be a little bit more empathetic you know and if it takes a fantasy book for certain people to realize that then so be it well jess what is he going through my god what isn't he this poor boy going through this poor beautiful (laughs) broken boy oh my god so he when he was 12 his well his okay his parents are shadow hunters or his one of them's a shadow his dad is a shadow hunter his mom is a mundane a mundane is basically a muggle which means normal people and um, his mom, because he, because his dad married a mundane, he had to basically, he, they had to leave like shadow hunter life. So they escaped shadow hunter life, but, and basically his dad's study, he kind of had like a little like keepsake box to like remember his days from being shadow hunter. Well, when Will is 12, he goes into the office, he finds the shadow hunter box and he starts playing around with it and a demon escapes. So his sister, who's his older sister, sees him, tries to fend him off, all this stuff. And the demon puts a curse on Wills. Anybody you love, anybody who loves you, the second they see you, um, they will die. It might take months. It might take years. It might take all this time, but they will die. So what happens? Oh, and he goes, and I'll start with your sister. And Will's like, no, no, no. Next thing, she's like, we can't tell mom. We can't tell dad. We just have to act like Nothing, you know, you knock something over or whatever. And they go to bed, wake up the next day. Will finds out his sister died. So he runs away. 
He runs away to the Shadowhunter Academy. He knows the Shadowhunter Academy can't, the Institute can't turn him away because, and, but now he knows he can never see his family. He never see his family. Oh my God, I'm going to start. <laughs> oh no, I'm fine. Okay. So that's his backstory a little bit. So then he's 12 years old. He's 12 years old. His family comes searching for him, banging on the door, banging on the door. Can't talk to him. He can't, he's not talking to him. So now Will is like, alone wait wait wait. what does he do he begs charlotte charlotte tell me if they live like just tell me they live he could because he also knows he can't write to him he can't talk to them now that he's a shadow hunter at the institute he can't interact with them at all anymore so he just begs her whatever you do like i understand the rules just tell me if they live so they they live and she goes you know it got to a point where i was just like it was heartbreaking so she stopped like keeping him posted and so then all these years later you find out um oh because will saw his sister his little sister because there's Cecily. cecily and he saw cecily and he's like i know her i know her um, he want to he want to ran, run to her. He right. and Jem had to stop him. Right, and they, and they fell down the hill, <laughs> and they fought and all that stuff. Yeah. So that's where we are there with Will's trauma. Oh, and that's just the beginning of the trauma. That's just the beginning of Will's trauma. Yeah, it's just the beginning of his trauma because then we have all the tests of trauma, and then oh, every oh my god, oh my god. Okay, so we have we have Will's trauma. Uh, and so all of this, we should, we should like flesh out this plot a little bit. Um, so the, the clockwork stuff is still happening, like behind the scenes. Jessamine is doing her thing. It, mm, I don't like, she's the one person that I'm so glad that I'm still like, I knew I didn't like you. I knew you were annoying. Does she stay that way? Or is this going to be like an elite, not an elite, elite's a bad example, Caltane thing. Uh, that is a difficult question to answer because it it, it depends. It's a difficult question to answer. Um, okay. Yeah. So Jasmine's doing her thing. Will, Tessa and, um, uh, Jem are doing their thing. Charlotte is fighting her battle against Benedict Lightwood and we have the Lightwoods and Sophie and, um, what else? What else is going on? That's pretty much it. Yeah, it's just like everything's in like little pods. Yeah, right now. Yeah, every all the storylines are kind of in like little pods, and then they come together and they break apart again. Right. So Gem is on the cover of this book, and this is really kind of Gem's book. We get a lot more of um, his personality, of his humor, of his um, his kindness, his goodness. Yeah, and his, yeah. His gentleness and his just his. Uh, he's just so wonderful and just so underrated, you know. Oh God, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna start. Um, but but Jem is dying, and and he and and he knows this, like, and everybody knows it, right? And like, especially with the infen drying up, um, so that it's so fucking tragic. Um, so Jez, you asked me in our text, you were like, okay, so. The next, the next like series, like the kids is like you were asking about like Tessa's background and like all this stuff. I'm not even going to touch it, but um, so Charlotte made a little announcement to like right, yeah. yeah so she, she she announced she's she's pregnant. 
So Charlotte is pregnant. So this, I can tell you this, this is the setup. Charlotte's baby is a character in the net, in the series that's set like chronologically after this one. Chronologically, uh, oh, because it can't be the LA one because that's like a hundred years. So there's a series after. So this one's the Infernal Devices. We have the Mortal Instruments. What's the one in LA? The Dark Artifices. The Dark Artifices. So obviously, well, I mean, technically, everybody's like a. Everybody has like ancestors, so that could be somebody down the line. What's the one after this one then? The Last Hours. Okay. So are we doing that after the series or are we going back to the dark artifices? I, I will leave it up to you. And or our oh. listeners. We can try or our listeners. We can try again. <laughs> you know, honestly, I just wanted to get I, I wanted to get to the next book, you know. So um in in this series, so after this, it, it really doesn't matter. You know, we could go wherever in the Shadowhunter world. But okay, back to this book. Back to this so book. So I guess really that announcement was to set up for the last hours because the reason I said because I could obviously we know like Charlotte and like the Institute and the clave, like that whole storyline going on in this book. And then like her and Henry, they're like finally communicated after oh, like a billion years. Sweet. Right. And like, they were like, I thought I always, and like they both, you like listening to the conversations as the reader, you're like, Again, at least this isn't a bad miscommunication trope. Like they literally thought that they were second in each other's lives the whole time when they were really first in each other's like I just thought that was so sweet and I was wondering I go we're playing a lot of focus and attention on their communication and love for each other all of a sudden now and then when they said like oh we have an announcement I was like okay they're pregnant but I didn't know but obviously I don't know the whole series and how this lines up so now that makes sense yep it, it it's nice it's nice uh yeah Cassie Clare does you know a few things well a lot of things not great but one of the things that she does really well is the classic miscommunication trope. And she does it really well in like this instance with um, Charlotte and Henry. And then I would say that a miscommunication trope would be the triangle. I was going to say that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's just a timing thing. And here's, here's the thing that really gets to me about it, right? Like we're all over the place with this. Sorry, we're emotional. Um, so... Uh, Will finds out that he's not cursed after all, all of that with Magnus, right? And he comes back to the Institute and all he wants to do is talk to Tessa, well, he, right? He, that's all he's like, where's Tessa? Where's Tessa? Like but that. he runs into Charlotte first. And, and he he's in such like a like a mood, right? He's like, no, you. He's manic about it. Yeah, like he needs he's, her to he's, know. Yeah, he's he's totally manic. But but to Charlotte, he's like, you can't lose the institute. We're gonna fix this right now. Like this is what we're doing right now. Uh, you know, call everybody. We're having a meeting. Call them now. Meanwhile, Jem is proposing, proposing to Tessa. So like, if he had just gone like straight in, but he was so happy to like talk to people and like be his true self and that like that is what he like hyper fixated on and like oh i just feel for him like that this outpouring of like i can be who i really am this like i don't have to hide myself anymore yeah and like he was just he knew he had to push people away because well he thought he had to push people away because of this curse he did not want anybody caring for him. You know, and it doesn't help that he's gorgeous. He's gorgeous. Poor Tessa. 
Poor every like. Ugh, I want these problems, but I don't want these right. problems. Right? Like, do you? Ugh, I would choose. No, I you would, would choose, choose Will. Will. I would choose. Okay, Th- this is. I thought about this long and hard. <laughs> you um, literally. I know I you have. have. I was, yeah. like, and I'm looking at you. And I'm like, you would have chosen Will. I know it would have yeah. been difficult, but I feel like Will is a lot. Which in. Like, in this kind of situation where I'm just talking to you. Like, yes, obviously, I would choose Will, like, hands down. If I were in that situation and Jem is in front of me proposing, I don't think I could crush his heart like that. No. I don't know what I would do. I I don't know what I would do. I would probably just run out of the room. Now, and and it's so interesting because it almost feels like we obviously know that Tessa loved, they, she loves both of them very differently, right? And she wasn't getting the love that she thought, like the love that she wanted from Will. So I sometimes I wonder, was Jet like in this book, it almost feels like Jem kind of was like, well, if he won't love me, this guy will. And I love him too. So that seems fine. Like that'll make me, you know, like some people who like settle or are just complacent, like they might not like have that, like that crazy, adventurous, fiery, passionate love. But it's like, if you can't be with the one that you love, love the one you're with kind of thing. And And I hope it wasn't like a pity yes either. Oh, no, I don't think so because... She describes her love for each of them like so differently, and and Jem describes like them them as different, right? Well, like, everybody does. Like even Sophie says the quote. I think I texted you it. She goes, "Everybody focuses on Master Will. He's the he's the like crazy, you know. He's like the spirit. bright star, yeah, the yeah. bright star. But but Jem is the steady flame, yeah. ever consistent, always like always there. Yeah, which is tragic." Because he's he's not like like he's died like he is and he dying. knows it he knows it in his proposal he goes please like to have my heart however long however many more beats it should sustain like how you know you have me for the rest of my life however long that life is like weeks <sighs> months or or maybe a year. You know, he doesn't expect to live longer than a year. Like, oh, my God, he wasn't supposed to live this long anyway. And then, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. 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 Let's let's talk about um, uh, Jessamine. Let's talk about Jessamine. Let's talk about what she's been doing, because what she's been doing was hinted at in the first book. Jessamine sneaking out in boys' clothes. And Tessa right. just kind of, like, brushed it off and was like, oh, I'll deal with that later. But she never did. And and everyone kind of um, ignores Jessamine. She's annoying and, like, irritating and, like, um, So Jessamine turns. She's a turncoat. And she hooks up with Nate. They have secret communicating this whole time. Secretly married. Did you see that coming? Yeah. Uh, hmm. No. I thought it was going to be a gimmick. Like like a fake out really mm-hmm. i really thought it was going to be like uh because c- jessamine's just so desperate for any sort of attention really um that it was going to be a nathaniel's gonna make jessamine think that they're married but they're really not that makes sense well and that brings up my point specifically this works really well okay so jessamine 
Jessamine goes through this 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 whole thing, and we'll talk about it. But uh, Jessamine ends up in the Silent City, right? She's found out. Everybody finds out about her shit. Sophie and can knocks I just her say out. that really pisses me off? Not that she ended up in the Silent City, but how she was like, "Oh, why is everybody just like ganging up on me?" And I didn't do anything wrong. Like, fuck you! You absolutely did. You're no, you're just pissed you got caught like accountability for your actions and she got like it was everybody else's problem and everybody else's fault she did not want to take ownership of any of anything that she did and it really i just wanted to punch her well that's why i like charlotte so much because charlotte heard everything that jessamine said and then charlotte was like no screw you go to this island city you stay there you you know you do the sword you know like tessa this is not your concern like this is a shadow hunter thing put that sword on jessamine like let's get this out yeah like- and then she's all upset about the sword and i mean we know the sword from the mortal instruments especially mm-hmm. like and and obviously we know with the sword it's not it's not supposed to be this it's it's not supposed to be this bad thing it's really just like like you know um i can't think it's like truth serum you know and you and you tell the truth as you know it and they're specific to that because they said like she's lying she's lying she's holding the sword she's literally only telling us the only things that she knows to be factual so she can't be lying and she's pissed about that like oh it hurts then stop struggling and tell the fucking truth exactly so Jessamine ends up in the silent city and it's a very small scene, but she takes the, the quote, quote, diamond, quote, quote, from yes. her ring and she starts carving it in there. So Jess- and then she smashes it against yep. the wall and she go in and Tessa says in that moment, the diamond shattered and you can see on Jessamine's face, um, in that moment that even the diamond was fake. Yep. So Jess, I have just sent you something in the chat. So you go ahead. Huh. Well, now we know it. Is, is it really a spoiler? It's a so um spoiler. It's not a spoiler. We know that. Yeah, it's not a spoiler. I am calling it calling attention to it. So why don't you share it with everybody? Oh, I forget. I'm looking at something. In, sorry. So Laura just sent me the text in her chat, and it just says, "In City of Fallen Angels, Jace is in prison in the Silent City. He's in one of the jail cells, and he sees the initials J G scratched on the wall." So that's Jessamine. <laughs> yeah. It's Jessamine Gray, because at that point, when she's scratching it in there with the fake diamond, she They're is married. married. So she's not Jessamine Lovelace anymore. Jessamine Gray. And um, Jace is like looking. He's like, who the fuck is that? Like, it's, it's just, it's, I love stuff like that. I also like, like everybody, you know, and you have to find like some sort of comedic relief in all of this. Um, somebody who goes, well, she got what she wanted. She didn't marry a shadow hunter. Or, or like if, you know, Tessa's like saying something, they're like, watch what you say, Tessa. That is your sister-in-law. <laughs> like, I love little, little quips like that. So Jessamine, <laughs> so good. Uh, <laughs> J- Jessamine is found out because Sophie hits her over the head because we love Sophie. And uh, Tessa turns into Jessamine. And goes to the ball at Benedict Lightwood's house in Chiswick and takes Will with her. And oh my God, what a scene at Benedict Lightwood's house. Ugh. I want to go to a masquerade. You know what it reminds Not that, it, that there was masquerade balls. But when you were still living in Germany, there is that ball in it's 
not in Prague. Maybe, maybe it was in Prague. They have like a Venetian ball or something that they do every year. And it's just, and anybody could attend. It's not like an invite only thing. It just made me think of like that kind of scenery. Plus demons. Oh yeah, yeah. Plus, and plus demon demons. pox. Yeah. Oh my god. No. No. We'll talk about. No. We'll talk about demon pox in a minute. Cause it's my favorite. It's my favorite thing in the world. It's my favorite thing. I love it so much. But um. Okay. So the ball at Benedict Lightwood House is famous in like Shadowhunter, like you know. I guess world world yeah <laughs> okay I was gonna say like fanda yeah yeah in the in the world um, because of what happens between Will and Tessa on the balcony that balcony scene is just perfection Will pulling the pearl pins from Tessa's hair and just running his hands through it and like kissing her like like it's oxygen is just like. Oh my god! All the fan art that you've been sending me of it, I just, I, I, I think I learned this time with my text because the last time I finished Clockwork Angel, you said, "Do you want any art?" And I was like, "All of the art." And you go, "Hold on, I can't send it fast enough." So then I was specific. I go, "I want this scene. I want this scene. I want this scene." <laughs> because again, if you're new to the podcast, I do not look up fan art prior to me reading. A whole series because I don't want anything ruined for me. And especially with Shadowhunters, like there's just so much of there's it. There's so much crossover. Yeah. I just feel like if I, even if I was specific into a, and, and I don't know, if I was just saying like Will Tessa balcony fan art, I could have gotten spoiled with something else because yeah. of hashtags or whatever. Yeah, it, it's just crazy. The balcony scene and everything that happens. In the the ball, and you know Magnus it I is love Magnus. We, we love Magnus. Magnus show you up and be like, "You had the lemonade." It's just so fantastic. But Benedict Lightwood lounging on a couch with his shirt open with a demon woman that has snakes for eyes licking him and tongue like a prong's yeah. tongue. Oh my god, amazing, amazing. Um, so yeah, so Benedict Lightwood is a creep. And I feel, I still feel really bad for Gideon Lightwood. Not so much for Gabriel, but you know, that is what it is. But, um, because Gideon's like falling for Sophie. Sophie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about Demon Pox. So (laughs) Will Herondale has been trying to convince everybody for years that Demon Pox exists and Demon (laughs) Pox is like real. And he gets confirmation. (laughs) It's so funny. And he gets confirmation. And he's so happy about it. Everyone's like, this is so, like, why are you so happy about these demons? Well, he jumps up and does, like, like a jig, right? And he starts, like, <laughs> singing that song and, like, spitting in a circle about demon pox. Yeah. Um, it's so- like, a, it's the best I told you so dance. It really is. And he, oh, and he's singing such a great song. So demon pox is a demon STD that you get by fucking demons, obviously. So to have Benedict, Benedict, Lightwood uh, have demon pox is incredibly scandalous, especially because like he is a um, like very conservative member of the clave. Oh my gosh, this is like every politician. It's, yeah, that, it's like, like every politician alive. Yeah, that's on the down low and that stuff. Exactly. <laughs> so look, oh, you have like this whole secret life. You're like, calm down. Yeah. So he's got an STD and he's dying from it, and that's the hook that Mortmain got into him. So Mortmain says, like, I'll give you the cure. Or, no, I will give you medicine to slow it, not cure it. 
um, so that you won't die, but you have to do everything that I say. And that's how Mortmain got into the clave through Benedict. Legend. And how they're positioning to try to get Benedict to take over as opposed to Charlotte. Yes. And I like that, not Gideon, Gabriel, how they called Benedict out on it to say, hey, um, this is, you know, if, if it's true, then show us like your skin and you'll, you won't have any reactions. And Gabriel's like, how dare you speak blasphemy on my family, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, prove it, prove it, you know, and they can't. Bet. Yeah. Bet. I, I love I love stuff like that. And I also, you know, good for Gideon um, for just kind of like, you know, when you figure out like family secrets and all that stuff, he goes, I knew something didn't sit right. And when, you know, I, I'm just always a fan of just because your family doesn't mean it's right. And when people realize that, like when people realize that, that they're able to like separate the two I, I just really respect that. Oh my gosh, for real. And and Nate, speaking of family, is a piece of shit, right? So when Nate dies, it's like, oh my god, finally, like good riddance, good. I really riddance. and I appreciate. I think it was Sophie that said, she, or you know, she was talking to Tessa because she said something to Tessa like, "You need to stop." Put she goes, "Are you a C or two? I really appreciate that Sophie. You know, Sophie says. Because Tessa's just, like, overwhelmed thinking about her brother. And Sophie says to Tessa, look, it's it's okay. You get this look on your face. Because she goes, are you reading my mind? Tessa thinks, are you reading my mind? She goes, you just get this look on your face whenever it's surrounding your brother. And just because he's your brother doesn't make him a good person. And I think that's also just, like, again, this goes back to the family thing of just because you're related and you're by, you know, you're related by blood, that doesn't mean anything you're still different people and then you know you have certain you have some people who just make poor choices or not great choices all the time and then you just have some people who are just innately awful people and her brother was one of those he really was and speaking of things that are awful let's talk about the trio's uh trip to york and we learn about reparations and what those are how they get them and the ruse that tessa and gem play. That's all like foreshadowing at this point. At this point. Where um, they, which I really, really appreciated because I had that connection, another connection there where it's um, because, because Tessa, she still doesn't know what she is. So she can pass as a mundane to anybody because she has no runes. She has no marks. So they do pass her off as a mundane and they say, you know, you have been looking at the codex. You have been training. We can say like you are training for your ascension into the shadow hunters world and what we know the ascension to be. And like, it's not guaranteed for every mundane. They would still have to go through this like training and process and then come like quote unquote ascension day that doesn't they could have all that information that doesn't mean that they would be accepted into the shadow hunter world or like they are deemed appropriate i can't remember the specifics um but that was kind of their ruse to get through oh yeah she's a mundane but she's my she's gem's fiance and she's like wearing his fairly family heirloom or the family ring, ring. Mm-hmm. yeah and uh god um, so the connection there, though, is we we are learning through Jem telling Tessa about how mundanes are made shadow hunters. 
our connection there is that is exactly what Simon is going to be going through right. in um so when we left Simon that is his like journey right he's going to Shadowhunter Academy and he is going to go through the Shadowhunter training Isabel wrote him the note yep. to like lay out everything and like I know you don't remember but like here's a little bit of history and we think you would be a really great candidate for that and let's go from there yeah so it, it's it's really interesting and we like we like connections like that but then we learn about reparations and we learn about that from mr uh aloysius starkweather, starkweather. and boy that's hard that was that was tough um so shadow hunters back in the day would um gain personal wealth and see this was hinted at when we first were in idris in the mortal instruments when people were like yeah like a lot of wealthier shadow hunters have country houses and you know but like oh don't you all get paid the same it's like yeah but and the reparations are how they amassed that wealth but this was like very because i remember it's said in the books but you also reiterated to me like it it's every family was different based on the reparations that they collected. But here we get more details of what reparations actually are. Yeah. And what are they? They're like parts. They're parts, like, body parts, like werewolf, like other, yeah. Like of claws. other, like quote, yeah. unquote, like fantasy paranormal beings in their world. Yeah, it'd be like like werewolf or, uh, or like vamp- fairy wings, vampire teeth. Um, you know, where or warlock blood, uh, all sorts of awful, awful stuff like that. And and Starkweather is parading it to um, you know, Jem, Will, and Tessa, and he's so proud of it, and he's so just like gross and old and backwards and. And and but there's something there because he sees Tessa and he has like this this like reaction to Tessa and like he was not going to let Jem and Will stay in New York but he saw Tessa and then he was like all right make up the rooms like they can stay so and that was never resolved so no. it'll be interesting to see how that resolves itself in the next book. You say interesting like you don't know. <laughs> well, you, you know you know. Um, so, so we we get to learn a little bit about that Shadowhunter gross, gross history, and I, and I find it really interesting because like I, I like that we get all kinds of history about the Shadowhunters, like the really bad kind, and like the new, like the Accords, and like all this, and yeah. So ugh. I feel like it's a lot. Like I feel like every time I read something which is really nice when we do these recaps, especially right after I read. And even when I go to like, listen, you know, to go through our spoilers and stuff, there's so much. I feel like there needs to be there. There's like a shadow hunters SAT course or something. And I, I think I told you the other day, I was like, there's no way I'd get a 1600 on this. I'd be lucky if I broke a thousand because it's just so much information. And of course, like with the rereads, I would do better with my score, but this is a lot. And sometimes I forget Oh, wait, that did happen. Or that wasn't a fever dream. <laughs> well, and the perfect example of that is like you texted me, you were like, Fell, Ragnar Fell. Like, I know that <laughs> name. And you were thinking of the Vampire Diaries. But, right. like, but you do actually know that name because <laughs> Ragnar Fell was the name of the warlock that Clary was told 
that could save her mother. And that was so, that's like pivotal information that I know we talked about. Yeah, we talked about it. And then they go to Ragnar's um, house and he wasn't there. Magnus was there and she's, and Claire is there with Sebastian. Like we remember all of this. And, and it said like Ragnar is dead and Magnus is upset. That's his best friend. And he left the message, you know? So we, we know this, but we're meeting Ragnar now and Ragnar is like on this like mission out in York with the sheep to like watch the Herondale family and like keep tabs on everything in York and we like Ragnar we, we like him he's, he's green he reminds you of Maddox yeah 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 it is, it is very good like it's a nice good. Maddox oh, for sure um, Gideon and Sophie I think are so cute I really like Gideon and I I as you said, I like when he has his, you know, like moment of storming out of the Institute and leaving his father. But I also like how Will kind of was like when Sophie starts telling the plan, right? Like, I know that Benedict has demon pox. I know that it killed his wife or that she had it and she killed herself because, you know, like, and so, and, and, um, Will's like, how do you know this? And he's like, well, you know, Gabriel told me, he's like, a man in love will do anything and like say anything, you know, for that part. And he's like staring right at Tessa. And it's, and, I know. Oh, God. Oh, uh, it's so, it's so hard. Um, so at the end of this book, we have, we have the letter The the very end is the letter that, oh my God, I see your face. That- no, that I know, you know, that's going to come back Ugh. into play. You just yeah. know it. You just know it. Because the letter is, it's, he's writing to his parents. He says he's writing this letter like he does every year without expectation to hear anything. But this time, like, Cecily is here. Cecily's at the academy. And now, like, what happened? Like, the, and I know we'll find out. Like, what happened to have Cecily show up and they can't turn her away they can't turn her away and thank god will knows that the curse doesn't exist now oh my god because that would have been a whole other thing if Uh, she just showed up and he was still thinking that like he would have lost it he would have he he would have unalived himself honest to god i think that's a really real possibility well and the letter the letter i really love because they make it a point in this book to say like will read tess's letters and the and the letters that she wrote while she was trapped in the dark house and in those letters she never expected them to be read it was more like a diary of her trauma yeah she said she says that too yeah so like she so but will had to read them charlotte asked him to so he read them and tessa finds that out um that and cuz he kept them and he put right. them right well she read like before knowing about the charlotte thing she just knows she's like what are my letters doing in his room like she just doesn't know why these you know to her these are supposed to be private these are supposed to be this supposed to be that um you know now that we're talking it out it kind of reminds me of Nezrin and Sartak where he didn't know her but he's like i i love this girl and I have no idea, like, this is all I know of her, and I love her. And that was very much Will and Tessa. Oh, sorry. Lots of spoilers. Uh, <laughs> Tower of Dawn. Tower of Dawn. Uh, Tower of Dawn spoilers. But, oh, but, my God, you're so right. Like, ugh. Ugh. God. You know, I think that's part of, like, 
when when the giddy when the good little giddy butterfly stuff was good it was so good and i think and we've talked about this in previous episodes i think maybe specifically with like our throne of glass coverage um there's something to be said about courting and how sweet it is especially when we're in such a hookup culture um I think there's there's something sweet to be said, you know, even when Jem is like, I, I wish I I courted you properly and told you how I felt before I showed you how I felt. I'm like my God, my like that that's that's just I love that shit. <laughs> okay, okay, so here's a hard question for you. Oh God, Jem's proposal or Will's drawing room speech? Well's drawing room speech. Yeah. Yeah. Hands yeah. down. Hands down. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh Which my is God. like, I think I would, I think I would have picked Jen. Like if we're doing, I, I, I don't want to pick, but I think I would have picked Jem. Jem made Tessa laugh a lot. I don't think she, you don't really, like everything was just, I don't want to say serious with her and Will. Everything was always so intense with them. Um, and with with Jem, I feel like maybe it's just for me, I would have picked Jem because Jem just puts a smile on her face. I'm serious enough. I don't I don't need somebody else as intense as I am. Oh God. So do you want but, but Will's speech hands down. Well let's talk about Will's speech. Do we have to <laughs> So we started the episode after just <laughs> listening to Will's speech in complete For like a tears. Times. You and you've reread this a lot so within many. this last week and a half. I have. So I read this like back to back, and then um, I was just listening to to the speech before we recorded, and then we listened to it again. But that speech, there is so when Will locks the doors behind him, my heart just starts beating so fast because like Will doesn't know. He has no idea. Will doesn't know, and everything he wants to say to her, he cannot. It's like every time, especially when it comes to timing, somebody is always walking in on everybody, and he was like, that cannot be the case. Yeah. He, oh, my God. So he locks the door, and he, and he, he like, Tessa says he, like, crosses the room in, like, two strides and, like, pulls her together and starts kissing her, like... Uh, I texted you as much as, like, I love that whole thing. Like, I was also, like, very presumptuous of you, Mr. Harrendale. You don't know. Like, obviously, he knows that she feels. But then, like, that whole speech and when he's just, like, gem, my gem. Like, uh, he's so, you can tell he feels betrayed by everybody he cares about in that moment. Blindsided. Just, just totally, just, like. And, and um that and everybody is, oh. and everybody like he's the only one blind everybody else sees. sees it but because he's off like staying away or like trying to find the like, cure to his cure he's trying to he's, fix himself he's trying yeah. to, like he doesn't see all of their interactions and they're they're, they're literally connected at the hip yeah. aside from like when they're training like when the when the girls are training yeah, yeah, because that, that's part of why it's so tragic to me. Like, Will is doing the work, right? He's putting in the effort. He's he's doing the work to, to make himself. The- and also, Ugh. what a 180 when he goes from doing the trying to fix 
he, he first he at the beginning of the book, you find out, quote unquote, he's trying to fix himself. What he thinks is fixing himself is to make him not love her. And then he realized, like, and it was it wasn't Magnus, was it Magnus? Yeah, no, 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 it wasn't Magnus. Um, they were like, that that's not how that works because they they just dismissed him, thinking he was trying to get somebody else to not love him. And then you find out he's like, you realize you're like, no, he doesn't want to love her, but you still don't know why. We still don't know why. Um, and then, then, of course, you later realize he's like, that's not how I need to go about this. He even like. Good on the man for trying to, and and eventually finding out that information, confronting it head on with the, because with the actual demon that put the curse on him. How great was that? That he's literally confronting his demons. Like, uh, what a fantastic therapy session right there. Can I also say how much... I loved Magnus when he's like, don't be lying. You want me to tell my father? And obviously we know who his father is. Like, if you don't start bringing answers, you know what I can do to you. And you know what? He did it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just kind of loved that. And we, that's an inside joke to us, the reader, because we know who his father is, why he's so important and why that threat has weight. Yeah. And you know, like, and his, that demon coward. Yeah. You're just like, mm, mm, Magnus. I love, I love Magnus so much. Oh, gosh, Magnus. And Magnus has... So, uh, speaking of characters that we've met before, we see Camille. Oh, Camille Cam- shows up. That's Camille right. Camille shows up. Camille shows up with Magnus. Magnus is, like, camping out in her apartment, right? And Will is just, like, coming in and out, like, pissing off the butler. And <laughs> Magnus is, like, so... It, it's so interesting because, like, Magnus doesn't love Will. And, and they have that conversation, right? Like... Uh, Will and Magnus is like, aren't you afraid that I would love you? And Will's like, what? No, no, you no. But uh, but Magnus doesn't. He doesn't love Will, but he he's like fascinated by him and he wants to he help has an him. Affinity towards him, yeah. But like nothing beyond like nothing beyond like friendship or curiosity. Which is so interesting if we think about how jealous Alec was. About Will Herondale, be about in Magnus's life, and Magnus is like it's it wasn't like that. Yeah, like Alec, it wasn't like that. He was just this like black haired, blue eyed boy that like helped me out once. He did me a favor, and he um. But and that's and that's very to, to obviously like that's just connected to Alec's insecurities and mm-hmm. like him processing and taking ownership of like who he is as a person too. It's just, it's just so, it's so interesting. And then, uh, so Camille, yeah. So we see Camille and she's there and this is their breakup and Magnus uses Will as kind of like a, a prop and a crutch to get him out of that situation. And then he goes and like crashes with Wolsey Scott and they have, they have a thing. And so Camille and Wolsey and Magnus actually had a thing for a while. All three of them? Yeah. Oh, cool. Which, yeah. Which is like kind of just this fun Did thing. Do we find out about that? Not really. It's, it's, it's just like this. What are, like a, what a lost opportunity. I know. It's just like this one, like kind of, yeah, it, it, yeah. But, um, yeah. So we see Camille, which is nice because we know Camille and, and, you know, we have this whole kind of like backstory with Magnus and he's there in the background, like doing everything he needs to do. It, it's it's just it's really, really great. I love this book. I love this series. So is Je- this I mean, I think I know the answer, but 
even though you love this book, you love this series, this isn't your favorite of the series. No, it, it's Clockwork Princess for sure. I do not reread Clockwork Princess. It is um, on the level of Kingdom like of you. Ash with me. It's just like, uh, for me, it's just like you just cry. But like some, you know, some parts are very funny. There's very funny parts in this book, but some okay. parts are very, very, very sad. Um, so, yeah. So, Jess, this is your, I was, I was thinking, this is your sixth, seventh, eighth Shadowhunter book. <laughs> How do you feel in the world of Shadowhunters? I am liking it more now. Mm -hmm. I'm very, I don't know why I'm so invested in this one a lot more, even though it's, it's completely a different time. It's still like newly established, even though it's the same universe. I will say it's when you say it like that, I'm like, wait, I've already read like throne of glass level amount, like book wise. Yeah. But I'm not broken the way I am from Throne of Glass. I'm still in good spirits. <laughs> you say, you say, we'll rewind say, and listen to the beginning of this podcast. Um, good, good spirits. I'm still smiling, but at the same time, I'm. I didn't realize I could cry over another fantasy book that wasn't SJM. Well, and Jess, you sent me a very specific video where you said that it was uh, going to start off as a squeal video, but you <laughs> started sobbing. You were like, squeal, ha ha ha, and then you processed something, and then you started sobbing. <laughs> and it's exactly my favorite it. video you've ever sent me because I can see it in your face and we'll you post see it. The switch? Yeah. It's, it's excellent. So why don't you tell us what are you processing there? So I was so excited. I was so excited. I go, oh my god! Like I, I, like I, I had initial reaction of like, oh my god, Jim just proposed. So I take my camera out right away because Laura has asked me specifically for this weekend. She's been doing a lot of driving and in the car, and so she goes, I'm going to be on the road for like at least four hours, and I need reactions. I need this. I need that. The other thing. So I've just been like first reactions to everything with my recording her. And that's what it winds up being is I'm so excited and then I start sobbing, but they weren't tears of joy. They were tears of, oh crap. But we know the future slash present that is the mortal instruments, which means the, the whole, I don't, I guess it doesn't matter because people are listening to it. So they've probably yeah. already. So I realized that Tessa and Jem aren't together and I just start sobbing. <laughs> That's that was pretty much the entire week. I'd get really excited, and then I'd start crying again, and then I'd get really excited. That, that oh, there, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. A lot more of that this time than there was in Throne of Glass, with the exception of like my reaction videos to the anything with the witches, and I would preemptively guess something, and then I would be completely wrong. <laughs> This, but I'm not guessing. But this, you know what? This is different because this series, I'm not guessing. I'm just kind of going with it. And also, I feel like this series, you know, it is like supernatural. It is, you know, like mystical. And and Jem even says that he's like every part of our life is mystical. Like we have a ceremony for everything. You know, it, it, he, we love Jem. Um, but even though there's all of these elements, like at its core, it's really just a normal kind of story about people and like the choices that they make, right? And like their loyalties and then like 
politics. And then a lot of politics, I feel like people, you don't see it so much in this. No, I take that back because everything that they do is surrounding like the bigger picture of the politics and the inner workings and the behind the scenes of the end result, which is what we know right now is Mortmain wanting to control the Institute, which would essentially like control Shadowhunters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and the end there's an attack, right? There's a like a automaton attack on the clave, so everybody gets to see it for the first time. So then you know the clave is very like stodgy, so they need to like see it to believe it. So that was you know very very good, very good for that. Um, the politics I feel like in all of the sh- you know because they're in all of Shadowhunters kind of get like brushed under, like people don't talk about it. They just talk about like the buzzwords around like Cassie Clare, but like I feel like if you do that, then you miss out on all of these like very intricate kind of details. The same thing can be said about the the Cruel Prince, like the Folk of the Air series, because mm-hmm. everybody gets so wrapped up into like Jude and Cardin or like for enemies to lovers when like that's not what the core of the Folk of the Air is. It right. is politics and machilation, uh, machinations and just everything that, you know, like um, when you think of Maddox and he looks at the chessboard and like every every person that he interacts with is a pawn on that board on that board and you think of the the second book in the wicked king when jude is finally as um in her role but next to Cardin, she has a meeting with her father and she sees her, she is now a player in this whole game and i just i feel like pe- just like people don't talk about that, people don't talk about that in this series. Because it's the only thing that I know. I really don't know much. I think I've done a pretty good job about staying away from Shadowhunter TikTok, so I don't have anything spoiled for me. Um, but I don't see it discussed. I also don't see the patriarchal society that, obviously, we are in in the 1800s, um, how much it's discussed. I mean, it's said in the first chapter or even the second chapter of how Charlotte's doing a poor job running the Institute because she's a she's female a, yeah. and she has emotions and she let her emotions cloud her judgment because if she, if, if a man were in the role, he would have seen this coming a mile away. And every single male shadow hunter in that Institute that said, we were all there and we were all like, none of us saw it and stuck up for Charlotte. I love it. Yeah, Will's like, I was there. Like, what? What? I didn't know. Like, and her kidding? husband and the yeah. whole thing that technically, like, it was another instance of, um, we've said this before about, like, the man is the head, but the woman is the neck, and the neck makes the head turn any way it wants. I feel like that was very much the case with this, with both Henry and Charlotte running the Institute, because they had even mentioned that if it was just Charlotte, she would not like the clave wouldn't have agreed to have her run the institute, but because she was married, it was like co co running the whole thing, co headmasters, if you will. Yeah, oh, sexist assholes. But but at the end, Benedict, because of a little bit of blackmail, does uh you know withdraw his complaint about time, Charlotte? He black, like I I don't even feel bad because it's like you yeah, know get, get fucked and die like because <laughs> that's which he what will he will so you know because he did it's yeah oh, it's good. It's good. So, Jess, how do we how do we feel about this book? What are we expecting in the next book? And after talking it out, are you still in love with Jem? Uh, yeah, I, I'll always. I feel like I'm Tessa. I feel like I'm in love with whoever's in the room at the time. 
<laughs> I mean, uh, those I mean, boys. What a, what a problem to have. Okay. <laughs> Gorgeous boys. What a problem to have. Um, and it's also still really sad because, you know, I also think of, um, I mean, spoiler for anybody who watches Jane the Virgin, so don't. If Like, there's two boys, basically, in Gita Rodriguez's character. She's like, she had, every, and people were very, very divided. It was like, Team Michael and Team Raphael. And I was Team Raphael from the beginning. So when she ends up with Team Michael, I was pissed. I was like, fuck that. But they kill Michael off. So I was like, redemption, Team Raphael. So it's like, she got the best of both worlds. So I want, that's like, I feel like that's what's going to happen, that she's going to, and that's why all my reaction videos of all the connection, I'm like, she's going to end up with Will, but then he's going to die because we know he's not in the current, like, future present. And then now we know that she's going to get back with Jem, but again, like, they have to go through all their shit for over a hundred years. It's just very sad. It's very sad. And I get that she still gets the best of both worlds, but, like, at what cost? (laughs) I'm a mess. Yeah. Did did you expect this kind of reaction out of out of this? No. No, because no. you've been crying at like weird parts. Yeah. I have no idea. I think at the I think I thought I was gonna cry like I didn't think I was gonna cry at all, to be honest. <laughs> and then I started crying. And then you're like you're crying at weird parts, but not the parts that I thought you were going to cry at. And I was just like, I, I don't know. Look, I'm a Libra moon. It just turned into Libra. Like, this by the time true. this recording, like, we're, we are two or three days into Libra season. So I'm just kind of chalking it up to that because my big three hits two very hearty earth signs and a, a Libra moon. Oh, boy. I, yeah, I was expecting you to cry at the drawing room scene because that is just, yeah, I was expecting you to tear up with Jem and his proposal, but like your other little connections and like little tears have just been like, so it's just like wonderful. so wonderful because I don't talk about this series very often. I don't recommend this series because like people just, you know, if they know anything about Cassie Clare, that's all they talk to you about. And it's just like, yeah, but, but this series is so good. <laughs> You'll cry so hard. Um, yeah. So, Jess, I, I will t- say that you were like ugly crying for a little bit there. Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. I wasn't, I just wasn't expecting to. I don't know if I want to say if, because there was another book that I had read. And it wasn't fantasy. It was actually like a really popular rom-com on book talk. And I had teared up at the end because I was just like very overwhelmed. And I like pieced together later. I was like, why does this book overwhelm me? And not like in a happy-go-lucky, like butterflies overwhelmed. Like I was stressed the entire time. And I cried at the end. And part of it was like relief that I was over. Like, But not because it was bad. It was just like, it was... I like, I'm okay with friends to lovers, but I detest best friends to lovers. Like, I've just learned that about myself because I have a best guy friend in thinking anything romantic or sexual could come from that. Just, it really, it just doesn't work for me and it makes me feel really uncomfortable. So I've learned that about myself. Um, So I think I just wasn't sure where this, like, I... Like, my overwhelmingness from the crying and the ugly crying 
it was just so different because of the emotional connections and thinking of the bigger picture. Um, I just, and I don't want to say I'm attached to them. It's just the feelings that are there because it also is the 1800s. And like we were saying, this is not a hookup culture, like emotions there, as much as there's miscommunication, there also is communication. And, you know, I think we've talked about like people are falling in love before being physically together. And I think there's like, I think there's something special there also. Well, and there's something to be said about Will Herondale's heart just breaking, like, in front of you, right? And, you know, and it's like every t- every time you're exposed to something more with Will, it's – you're at first you're breaking when you're like, okay, you get it. Like, he wants to um, – he, he wants to find something so he's not in love with her. How many of us can relate, right, to, like, wish you can just – Un, like to fall out of love with somebody and never or never to like or just like have indifference towards somebody then you have the second part of hearing his history and then you're just you know like why he why he can't have anybody fall in love with him why he ran away why he's and all of this at 12 so now you're breaking again then you find out later the third part is that you find out that it was there was never a curse it was just a mind fuck the demon was too weak to put any curse on because he had been trapped for over 20 years. And it was just like, oh, my tail is poisonous and I kind of got a little out of control. So now he's he, not only from a psych- psychological point of view, has he been fucked for the last five years, blaming himself not only for the death of his sister, but like for the demise of his family, because you find out that the father, you know, Cecily says like, the death of our sister didn't drive him to drinking, gambling, and addiction, and the loss of, like, their family home. It was the loss of Will, his son, and all of this stuff. So now he's been, like, now he has all of that sitting with him, and you know he takes on, like, that personally. Everything that has happened could have been all of what... Like, it's just... It just... It, I don't even want to say like re breaks because your heart is like your heart broke and then somebody got a, a fucking mallet and then started hammering the broken pieces already to make them shards. <laughs> yeah, it, it, your heart is not okay. Yeah, at the end yeah of your this. heart is not okay. Nothing is ever like, oh, but your heart will be like built. built to, but at the end of this, my heart was never back together. I was never like, it's okay. Like it hurt the entire time. And I find it very relatable and something that people do not talk about is Tessa going completely numb, right? Like she, she, um, she's obviously in love with Will, but she will not do that to Jem. And she knows that if she, she did that to Jem, that Will wouldn't, wouldn't love her because Will also loves Jem. Right. Okay. So, uh, Will, I'm going to, I'm going to say like breaks up with, but. That's not really what it is, but just kind of like shuts the door. Well, you know what? And since we had this episode, really remember, and when we were talking about Moulin Rouge, where like Nicole Kidman, where mm-hmm. the show must go on, she puts on a show, she gets buttoned up, she's a she's a lady now of society, so she goes to formally break up with Christian. Um, she locks it down, and she's like, ba- like that's essentially what Tessa does in that moment. She locks it down. She's like, well, there's another girl out there for you. And like, she, she just becomes 
void of everything. Mm-hmm. And you notice that when she when he leaves the room, she's all but up. She's staring like staring into the fire, like not like you said, numb. And you know, you know, trigger warning for self harm. The only time she feels emotion is when she brings physical harm to herself with the cast iron poker from the fire. Yeah, it's it's the only thing that like snaps her out of the, this. Like, and at that point, yeah. it's like she's finally releasing all of the emotion that like I fe- like in that moment. I didn't feel like that was a physical. Like obviously, like it was probably a physical response, but I feel like her reaction was more an emotional release than a physical one. Oh yeah. Cause she, oh gosh, she weeps and weeps and weeps. That but, breaks me. That broke me. Again. Like I was already crying from the initial speech and then I stopped and that, and that set me off. Like that. I sent you the video of like, yeah, it, it's, it's so, it's so difficult. Cause like, and then, cause like Will can't open the door. Like, you know, he like fidgets with the door and the, she says like she finally gets it open. She sees like, she, she sees the life like draining out of Will Herondale and she knows that she's doing that. And, and talk about communication. Will is just like, I love you. I love you. This is why. This is when. This is how. And this is, I want to love you forever. There is no one else for me. Do you love me? Do you love me? She never says no. She never says no. She never says no. Because, like, how can you not love him when he's, like, like pouring his heart out to you? Oh, my God. And she says, like, her eyes lock with him. She cannot. She can't look away. He, she's pulled to him. He, he, he is this. He's this, like, this force that she is always drawn to in a room. Like she knows exactly where he is. But, but as you said, Jem is that steady, like steady presence that always like comforts her. So, oh my God. Oh my God. So clockwork princess (laughs) breaks people. I sent you a TikTok of this wonderful, wonderful girl and uh she is she popular in like the shadow hunter community do you know i'm not really into the shadow hunter yeah i haven't been on shadow hunter talk which is fine because i don't like i don't like nor do i want spoilers plus the series is so big that i feel like anything i i I really like what who i don't know how i managed to not i don't know how i managed to steer clear a thread of last tiktok is incredible It was incredible. You have a superpower. Um, but no, I curate uh, the TikToks that I send to you. But I'm not super active on Shadowhunter TikTok because so quickly it turns into Shadowhunter slander. And that's not what I'm here for. I'm here for, you know, funny, happy things. And, you know, I'm not and sometimes heartbreak. I'm not here for, you know, the the negativity. That's not what I want. But Clockwork Princess does break people. And um, we are. Well, if it's any testament to yeah. see how I reacted to Prince. Yeah. And, you know, and this one. Uh, people don't like break on this one, but I do just just because like I overthink and I think I about wasn't it. honestly if you I think a huge part of it is knowing that bridged connection. I would not I would have just been like kind of going through it like, oh, OK, like I would have pro- I think I would have broken at the drawing room scene either way, but everything that I have made the connections to throughout like the course of this week reading it was due to that like 
bigger the bigger bridge there. I know, I know what I was doing. I know I'm you, just you always def- know what you're just doing. Defend- it. No, I'm defending myself. I know people will come for me about it, but yeah. So we will be continuing with Clockwork Princess. Yeah. And we will we will finish up the Infernal Devices, and yeah, it, it'll be very very interesting. This book is so painful and so wonderful, and I know it so well. And it will be just. I'm so excited, and I will ask you at the start of next episode, who are you in love with? Again? Oh, because I would have finished reading. Yeah, because you'll be done. You'll be done. So at the start of next episode, the question will be, who are you in love with? And you will tell me. Oh, Lord. You know what? I will say I read this. I didn't hate Ed Westwick. Because he didn't have to do much of a male... American oh. voice. Okay. He could be, you know, I, Tessa. Yeah, I think, like, I really like, because I was like, I didn't hate him. And I rented, I, like, borrowed this from the library, which I'm really, you know, I really love a library. Everybody knows if you listen to, like, our audio versus traditional reading episode, like, there's, you know, there, there's a lot, like, of support behind there. And I have the ebook and I have the library. And I think I will, um, now that I know my, you know, now that I like it, I'll definitely get this on Audible. I'll use a credit or something. I don't like wasting a credit if I don't think I'm going to reread it. This is a reread. Yeah. You, there, I said it. I officially said it. I would reread this. You would reread this? I would reread this. And you say that now after not huh. having um, read Clockwork Princess, which is bold think- of you to say. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't uh, know. I don't know. I think it's a lot for me to spend money on. I, I just... I've learned that through, like, everybody's process. I know we've had conversations about, like, some people, which is great, you know, teach their own. But I don't want to buy something I'm only going to read once just to make my bookshelf look pretty. Like, I'm sorry if that feels like an attack to some people. That being said, I totally have my fairy loot package that came today at the time of this recording for my From Blood and Ash series, which I am obsessed with and everybody knows that. Well, maybe not everybody, but now you do. It is a beautiful, beautiful set. I'm looking at the audio for Clockwork Princess. It's a cool 16 hours at speed. So, you know. Yeah, less than that. But again, I feel like just because at speed, it's just very different. This book, like, because uh, Clockwork Prince was less than that. I think it was like 15 and change. And it took me this whole week. So, it, and and I read it. I, I didn't read it at speed. I, I had it at like a faster paced speed. It felt, so, it, I don't know why it felt like it took me longer to get through cre- like this than Crescent City. And I, and Crescent City took me a couple weeks just because mm-hmm. I had to put that one down a lot. Mm-hmm. It will be interesting to see if you have to put down Clockwork Princess. I want to start it now. I didn't start it for obvious reasons. Yeah. I Like, I intentionally, I could have finished this book earlier this morning, but I knew. I was like, let me pace it throughout the day, you know, because I knew I was going to be reacting. I was going to, you know, I, I, I'm okay with the way I paced it today. Oh, yeah. That, that ended up very nicely. Um, Yeah, you can start Clockwork Princess right away. I will also start Clockwork Princess right away. And, <laughs> but it's a uh, whole we'll different see. narrator. It is. And, is. and that is with Cassie Clare and her narrators. But we know a lot of the times that it is not in her control. We understand this. But it is a gripe a- that I have. 
It is such a gripe. And again, like, I understand that it's usually, like, out of the hands of the author. But, like, shame on the publisher. Like, especially for a series. Um, that's that's a publisher gripe that I have. Amongst yeah. many publisher gripes. I'm not going to die on that hill. I just want to, like, you just want to gripe together. Yeah. yeah just want to gripe. Make it consistent. Come on. Try. But, you know. It is what it is. Especially, especially if you want to look at it at like as a financial standpoint, like wouldn't you want consistency to keep people? You know, but I digress. It's a whole different conversation. Anyway, feel free to follow us on Instagram. We're at Acafe Podcast, and we're also both on TikTok, Acafe Laura and Acafe Jessica. And if you feel like being kind and sending and leaving kind reviews feel free to leave us a five-star review on wherever platforms are accepting reviews right now so thanks for listening thanks for joining us we appreciate you all and we will uh, see you next week thank you bye bye